Welcome to the Consumer Rundown Podcast, your destination for the people, companies, and trends transforming today's consumer market. We are your hosts. I'm Penny. And I'm Dimitri. On today's episode, we are joined by Mike Gelb, the founder of the Consumer VC Podcast. On this podcast, Mike delves into the world of consumer innovation and venture capital with a mission to uncover the secrets behind successful consumer investments. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Can you please start by introducing yourself and the Consumer VC Podcast? I'm Mike. I founded a podcast and media company called The Consumer VC. I started it back in 2019. I started it as a podcast around consumer innovation and venture capital. I was really interested to learn about how like the top consumer investors were actually making investments. So I started this podcast called Consumer VC to hopefully to learn myself and then also other people can learn a couple of things too. And then also with Consumer VC, I started an event series during COVID. We did around, I think, four or five virtual summits, bringing investors together and also founders too that have scaled quite considerably and just kind of share some of their learnings. That's awesome. Did you have ties to the consumer industry at that point? I had like an e-commerce brand that was doing just okay. It wasn't doing fantastic, but it was just doing okay. And I was really interested just in consumer from like that lens, maybe from the e-commerce side. I was also back in grad school too. And my school had a venture capital program where they would invest like 50k checks into all of my companies. And that really just turned me on mm-hmm. into the world of venture capital, the world of investing at the early stage. I then started taking in a lot of audio content and really liked learning about the industry, but I did feel like it heavily skewed enterprise SaaS, which makes a ton of sense because a lot more money goes in towards enterprise SaaS companies than consumer, which also makes a ton of sense. But I felt like there's an opportunity to learn about consumers since I wasn't really learning about it. I didn't really think that there was other podcasts that really kind of just covered that category that I was interested in. So I just started honestly cold emailing investors. I didn't have any network in the industry, started cold emailing investors, and then eventually started cold emailing founders as well. I started listening to you around 2019. And what I found the most helpful was that you were the only, if not one of the only podcasters out there focused strictly on the consumer space. And for someone who's really getting into it, trying to learn more about it, you're a great resource. That's so kind, Dimitri. Thank you. You've now recorded almost 300 episodes. How has the podcast changed over that time? That's a really great question. The original thesis was looking at it from the investor's perspective. And so like the first like 20, 30 episodes, it was all investors. And so I really kind of went hard on that. And then I started introducing founders. I would say it's still overwhelmingly investors that have come on. But more and more as time has passed, I think also has been really helpful hearing it from the founder's perspective. So also sharing kind of more growth stories as well from founders that have uh, maybe raised quite a bit of money, learning about how they actually raise that money, since it is so hard to raise money, uh, especially in consumer, in my opinion, because there is just less capital to raise. And and also how they're able to grow, how they also thought about debt, thought about kind of other forms of capital to actually grow. So I would say that's maybe a bit of the evolution. Also with the events too, the events have been super amazing. When I started, like I started fall of 2019, COVID happens 2020. And when I had built a little bit of momentum, maybe like a little bit of a network, I couldn't meet anybody. Everyone was virtual. I still was meeting people virtually and it was awesome. But I think just at like the kind of evolution was on the event space, it went from virtual events, started doing virtual events, I think summer of or fall of 2020. And then now to in-person events and just 
being back in person, it's just the best. Those relationships and connections, that's really been the evolution of the show, if that makes sense. When you think about your role in the ecosystem, do you see yourself as a thought leader? And how do you react when other people see you in, in that way? It's a good question. I don't know if I consider myself a thought leader. I kind of see myself more as the one hopefully sharing stories of the thought leaders and making like a platform for them to thrive. That's kind of my thing. I'll be very honest. I think that my own thought leadership, I think that that's something that I still need to work on. Being able to ask hopefully interesting questions to kind of get the best out of people that we can really dig in into what they actually are thinking and how they think and how their kind of mind is wired. That so far has been the purpose of the podcast. Having the platform to be able to share thought leadership and making that information accessible to people is equally important. I think you've done a good job at that. Thank you. Thank you. So I know this is going to be a really, really tough question. Is there one episode that stands out for you? This is what I'll say. I know this is like such a cop-out answer, and I'm really sorry. But I will say that in every episode, there's always one or two or three things that I'm like, wow, that was a really interesting take, or that was a really interesting part of that person's journey that is really inspirational, or just how they how they thought about that problem. I wouldn't have thought about that before in that way. And so it kind of stretches your mind a little bit. Oh, that's a good answer. Building on that, what are the things that you've learned from successful investors and founders that have surprised you? It's a great question. I think on the investor side, there's no real one way to skin a cat. There's no one way to invest. I have on investors that are very thematic, that are very ingrained into the trends and really understanding which trends they kind of want to be a part of and which trends that they find meaningful versus one that's not. Some people are very thematic and then others also aren't. I interviewed Paul Martino, who's a GP at Bullpen Capital, has an incredible reputation, is the nicest guy. But with Paul, I remember asking him, what trends are you, you know, interested in? He answered like something like trends. We don't even think about trends. For him, I want the entrepreneur to tell me what the trend is. Because if I focus way too much on the trend or what I think the trend is, then I've already lost. Because then if you know about the trend, then the trend has already happened, right? Because he's more of like on the early, early stage side. So that to me was like pretty interesting because I've also had people that have these big thesis decks like Jeff Hausenbold. At the time he was at SoftBank, he was one of the managing partners at SoftBank. But when I asked him about you know trends, he was telling me how they put together these, these ginormous decks that go very, very detailed and very, very into specific categories. So I think on the investor side, you can be successful with someone who is opportunistic. And then you can also be very successful as being thematic. That to me was particularly interesting. So that's one thing on the investor side. I think on the founder side too, I think in the same vein, like there's no one way to build a company, especially on the consumer side. You see some brands that were maniacally focused on building D2C. For example, Athletic Greens, they built a extraordinarily large business D2C that's subscription where a lot of people complain that consumer products subscription is incredibly hard. It is incredibly hard, but he found a way to, to have a, 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 what it seems to be a pretty robust subscription business. And then you also have brands that might actually opt to go into retail a bit earlier. So I think it's just learning all the different ways to grow the business and to understand too, that it really comes down to where your customer is and researching and seeing where that actually happens. That's what's really interesting about this space. And it's encouraging, hopefully, founders that are out there. There's still so much opportunity of just making 
consumable products that people need every day. And if you can make a good product, you could build a really big, successful business. I think that's a great point. And I think that's part of the reason as well about the podcast too, that I started is that you can still do really, really well as a consumer investor. You can still perform really well. You can still do really, really well as a founder. You can still build a pretty freaking big company in consumer. And I think sometimes it gets lost a lot because we think about like unicorns, but you can still build a super compelling company that makes sense for VC money in consumer. As an investor, do you think you would take more of the thematic structured approach or more on the opportunistic side? I think that I'm actually more so on the opportunistic side. I really do think that the entrepreneur is almost everything, right? I almost like don't want to have a preconceived notion about a market. I really want the Mm -hmm. entrepreneur to tell me why this is an opportunity. And then me kind of do my due diligence and go back and really see if it's an opportunity, right? Or make my own assessment whether if it is or not, and if I want to be part of that journey or not. That's how I like to think about it. So it's really just talking to the entrepreneur and a bit more like bottoms up mentality rather than like top down of like, we have this thesis, we believe like this is going to happen. I don't have a crystal ball, no way, shape or form do I do. I would say I definitely lean more so like the opportunistic. And this is, again, a little bit contradictory. It's not that I don't pay attention to like the macro trends. So that's how I'm kind of thinking about it. Yeah, makes sense. What is your long term vision? for the consumer VC? Great question. What I really want to do with consumer VC is launch a fund. This is a pretty tough period for launching a fund. I don't come from a finance background at all. I am holding off right now. I will say I've talked to some of the people that have been on the show who's been extremely encouraging and like I've been really, really, really lucky. They've been kind to take time out of their out of their days, out of their evenings to talk to me about fun construction and kind of actually encouraging me to go out and and try to raise one. But that's something very much, very, very much top of mind for me in the future. And then also for consumer VC, I would love to share stories in markets and do live events in markets that maybe are large, but not maybe as traditional consumer. I think that if for a consumer brand, like you can build a consumer brand from anywhere. I know that's Mm -hmm. become a lot more mainstream not to compare consumer to tech, but in tech, you can build a company anywhere. But that's always been the case in consumer. And so I would love to go into secondary or tertiary market where you actually have some of these consumer success stories and really try to build community in these in these areas. So maybe bring in like a VC from another part of the country or interview a VC that's local to the area that knows the area really well. Also interviewed a couple successful founders that really turned this area into a staple. Those kind of like stories and like secondary to tertiary markets, I really think that it's could be quite interesting. Similar to like the rise of the rest per se, which what they do, it's Steep Cases Fund and they go into like secondary tertiary markets and mm-hmm. of like the next wave of tech. Doing something similar like that, albeit far far lower budget going into kind of secondary tertiary markets for consumers. So like, that's really what like, I'm also passionate about. We're seeing a lot of changes in the creator ecosystem. Specifically, you see some very popular creators leveraging their brand to launch consumer companies. How do you see that develop over time? I do think that you are going to see more and more creator-led or celebrity-led brands where you have someone join the team that already has an audience, whether they're a creator, whether they're a celebrity, right? It might lean maybe more towards creator. I think that what creators with large audiences have, and not that 
traditional celebrities don't have this, but I feel like creators, they're more closer with their audiences. Just because a lot of how they grew was on social, you have these really fast feedback loops. And so I do, I do think that you are going to see more and more creator-led brands. I think you're going to see more kind of celebrity, even like traditional celebrity-led brands. I don't think though, like they're all going to be raving successes. I think that the ones who are truly authentic with what they preach, who they are, kind of like their missions that they value and actually like the reason they exist and people like them in the first place. I think that those could be successful. The ones that are inauthentic or think of it more so as like a promotion deal. I don't see those as being as successful, but people that are actually love the product are maybe even ingrained in the product, like want to understand and maybe are maniacal about the product. I think that those are kind of the creators that really could do it instead of being like, all right, I have an audience, right? Let me go outsource everything else. And I'm just going to have this product and it's going to sell because of me. Maybe it'll work, but probably it's going to be a flash in the pan. I have this observation and I haven't gone out and validated this yet, but I feel like with social media and influencing, driving more and more of marketing, that I feel like there's less emphasis almost on building a lasting brand. And there's a more of an emphasis of, I'm going to launch this thing. I'm going to just try to make a super big reach as many people as possible. And if that's just like a one hit wonder, maybe that's fine. I don't know if the data supports that, but just from my personal observation, that's kind of what I'm seeing. I wonder what you think about that. If it's helpful, I'll provide an example of a celebrity that's pretty involved, or at least seems to be very involved with the company. I interviewed Ben Jones, who is his co-founder of House Labs by Lady Gaga. And what he was saying is when they were doing all their formulations, like Lady Gaga was there in the rooms, being part of the product, taking a lot of time out of her day to obviously do a lot of the promotion for the product as well. But you take someone who's like that and has the drive to actually build their own brand, that's probably going to be a success, I would think. And now they did this whole partnership as well with Sephora. I think that Sephora has been really helpful in terms of on the merchandising side and driving demand. So it's one of those that makes sense in terms of a partnership. But you might also just see the big Forbes piece of this person joins this person as a co-founder, and then you might not hear much from the brand. So if you're a founder listening and you're thinking like, I need a celebrity or something, make sure the celebrity really, really wants to do it. Don't just give up equity for the sake of giving up equity. Also really understand too the value that they bring and also like see if they're really obsessive about the product. Lady Gaga is obsessed about the product. And and that, by the way, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. Times these things don't work. But I do think when it comes to celebrities, when it comes to creators, seeing how they interact with a product is critical. Let me ask you this. How does a founder without a celebrity name behind them effectively stand out to investors and consumers? There's so many brands that don't have celebrities that are affiliated or part of it brand that I thought was doing something kind of interesting in this space is a brand called Georgie, a green tea drink. And how I understand it on the cans, they actually have faces of people that I think like the product that enjoy it. I think they're just people Mm -hmm. that really like the product. But that shows actually kind of ownership, in my opinion, of people that actually enjoy the product. And then probably those people are going to like, tell their friends about it and what have you. And they've told me that it's pretty crazy, like organic having that kind of buy-in. It's kind of different and cool. I tried the peach, really, really love the flavor. I am not an investor, but I thought it was pretty great tasting. From your perspective, does the investment in celebrity-backed brands 
crowd out the investment market for traditional founders. There's a reason why money is going towards celebrity brands. They can get distribution a lot more easily than if you don't already have an online presence. There will kind of always be maybe a, a premium on celebrity just because of the distribution that's baked in. But especially, I think, because of the 14.5 update, there's more so today. At the same time, if the product is just freaking awesome and there really is a clear differentiation and that really is resonating, that is extremely meaningful as well. I definitely agree with you as well. I'm interested to see how this market keeps developing. Mike, thank you so much for joining today. Super great talking to you and learning about your experience and your insights on the consumer industry. Penny and Dimitri, thank you so much for having me on. This is an absolute blast. This concludes our episode. Thank you all for joining. Please subscribe for more episodes of the Consumer Rundown podcast and visit us at consumerrundown.com. See you next time.